Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, welcome, and thank you for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I am so excited about today's topic. We are going to be talking about what I truly believe is one of the biggest mistakes that hosts can make as Airbnb hosts. And when I sat down to create this podcast, I outlined what my first 12 or so episodes would be. This was actually the first episode I came up with. It ended up being episode number two, but This was the first idea that I had of what I wanted to talk about. I'm truly so passionate about the subject we're going to be talking about for today's main idea of this episode, and that is getting too emotional about your Airbnb business and taking your property too personally. I could go on and on which you'll see me do right now. I will still try to keep this in a somewhat timely manner, but I could truly rant about this subject for so long. This is hands down one of the biggest mistakes you can be making as a host, taking your property too personally, getting too much emotion involved in it. And it's not just something that makes it harder to host, makes it more likely for you to get burnt out, makes it more exhausting, more stressful. It literally is hurting your profits, being too emotional about this business. And I'm going to give you some actual real examples from mistakes I've made as a host in the past when I had to learn this the hard way and become more detached. Um, I'm also going to give you examples of owners that I have managed for. So you guys can kind of see that this... I'm not just trying to overhype this. This truly can make or break your business. And I believe that having the ability to detach, I'm not saying to become careless and drop hospitality, but taking things too personally is to me, if you do have that personality trait, I don't think you're cut out to be an Airbnb host. I hate to say that because... I really do love empowering people to take on Airbnbs, and I think that almost anyone can do it if they have the right mindset, but this is one of those non-negotiables. If you are going to take your listing too personally, you are not cut out for this business. So let me get into some of these examples that I'm teasing you with and really talk about how this can make or break your business. So one of the biggest ways that I see hosts get too emotional about their listings is when it comes to guests and how they treat the property, uh, even if they don't treat the property poorly, how they go about with the house rules, specifically things like sneaking in a pet when it wasn't approved, bringing in guests that were not approved, 
bringing in extra people, uh, leaving a bigger mess behind. Uh, I'm not even necessarily talking about things like damages or theft or major issues, but sometimes just breaking the house rules. This is probably the biggest way that I see hosts kind of screw themselves over and just get too emotional about this business. And it is something, it does come with practice. So if you are a new host and you're not there yet, do not feel bad. I definitely went through this learning curve as well, but please be aware of it and make this something to work on. It does get easier with time. Every little transgression that a guest has against you, I promise it becomes easier to learn how to let these things go. Um, but it, it is important that you do end up learning to let it go. Of course, not everything. When there are serious damages, stand up for yourself, file a claim. And that is something I also have a lot to say on. So in future episodes, we will be talking about how to recover uh, financially when you have to file claims for damages and how to pursue those claims and file them properly. So I absolutely do advocate that you stand up for yourself in those severe cases. But when it comes to one broken wine glass, one stained towel, you have to let those things go. Uh, when it comes to a guest just bringing in one extra person, sometimes bringing in an unapproved pet, it depends on the situation. There are cases where you may want to pursue that if you're also getting a bad vibe about other things. But in a lot of cases, you have to weigh if it really is worth it to pursue that. Leaving a bad taste in the guest's mouth, even if they may technically deserve it because they're flouting your rules and blatantly disrespecting them, I know how tempting it can be to go ahead and want to pursue those claims and file something for every little thing you can, but it's just not realistic. And I mean, think about the way that Caesar's Palace gets treated, okay? Let's run with this example and compare getting too emotional with our Airbnb to what would happen if you owned a hotel and got too emotional in that industry. So let's let's run with this example of Caesar's Palace on the Las Vegas Strip. Could you imagine if the owner of Caesar's, I don't know who owns that hotel, but could you imagine if the owner, let's call him Mr. Caesar, if Mr. Caesar himself got too emotional because there was a stain on a sheet, on a bed sheet, or uh, because the guest didn't throw out the trash on their way out to the dumpsters because they left some tissues in the trash can because maybe they didn't wash the mini bar glasses before they checked out. These are the things that I see Airbnb hosts get so upset over, and that's just not the hospitality business. This is a hospitality industry first and foremost. Yes, people are staying in your home and there is an added layer of respect that it is something more personal than just a hotel room. But at the end of the day, I'm sorry to tell you this, the guest doesn't really care about that. It's still the hospitality industry. You can't get too emotional about those things. It's not only just bad for your mental health and state of being, it literally, like I said, is limiting you from growing your profits. If you're so worked up about these little issues, these minor transgressions that guests commit against you, how are you ever going to scale up? I know some of you listening might not have the goal of eventually scaling up and adding more properties to your portfolio. And that's totally fine if you're just happy with the one property you have. I have no issue with that. But 
I'm sure that you at least want to be able to have an easier way of managing it with less burnout and less stress. You have to learn to let these things go. So think next time that something like this happens, think of the most successful hotel chains in the world. Do you think that Paris Hilton's daddy, whoever owns the Marriott, Mr. Caesar himself, do you think that they sit there crying because some guests left behind some trash when they checked out of the hotel room or they checked out 15 minutes late? No. They send in the cleaning team and they move on. Of course, if seriously the TV screens were broken and bed frames were damaged, that's a different story, okay? If there's blood stains splattered across the hotel, we're talking about something very different. But the times that I see hosts get so worked up about how guests have treated the place, they're usually not that big of a deal if you step back and just detach yourself from it. So next time something like this happens, how would you react if it was a friend telling you that it was their property and it wasn't your property itself? I think you'd have a very different reaction. I know it stings when it's your place and you walk in to see it mistreated, but try to think that it is a business. Once you list it on Airbnb, it's no longer your personal space. And if it's not that big of a deal, if it's something that people would reasonably do at a hotel upon checkout, you have to let those things go. Next thing that I see hosts get too emotional about isn't how guests treat the place, but how their cleaners treat the place. I haven't really seen a case, I'm sure they're out there, but I personally haven't really seen a case where a cleaner destroyed something or just left it trashed like a guest might. But with cleaners, I do see a lot of hosts get very frustrated when cleaners don't put things back exactly the way that hosts like. And this is another case where you have to put your business hat on and detach yourself from it. Again, once you list it on Airbnb, it is no longer your personal space. It is now a business that is catering to your guests. Something that I've seen and experienced firsthand with a few of the owners who I co-host for, something I've seen with them is that some owner that I work with will be very particular that she wants the towels folded a certain way and she wants them stacked in exactly this location for every guest. My cleaner is not going to be able to do that. My cleaner has eight different units she's cleaning, and if every single owner is requesting a different towel pattern and towel stack design and different location for that towel stack, she cannot remember that, and it's unreasonable to ask her to. As long as the towels are clean and nicely folded and put out accessible to guests, that's what matters. So those little things that, yes, they may irk you, and you might think that it really does look better to have the towels at the foot of the bed instead of on the dresser or instead of on the ottoman in the master bedroom or whatever it is, sometimes you just have to let those things go. As long as the cleaner is putting out fresh, clean towels, folding them nicely, and leaving them, leaving enough of them out for guests to find them, your cleaner's doing their job. And to nitpick those little things, it's going to stress you out. It's going to make your cleaner resentful. You have to let those things go. Another example of this would be something like trying to micromanage the way that your welcome basket gets staged for every guest. One owner that I also co-host for, she was so picky about this and she kept telling our cleaner that she wanted exactly three 
lemon zinger tea bags in the welcome basket, three Earl Greys, three Lady Greys, three English breakfasts. She was so particular about the amount that she wanted of each little item in that welcome basket. And it's just not the cleaner's job, again, to stage things to that level of detail. Yes, it's good to have a variety of tea bags, but look, at the end of the day, if my cleaner were to forget putting in two of the six flavors of tea bags that we provide, the guests are not going to know what's technically missing from there. They don't know that you do have six available tea bag flavors sitting in your supply closet and only four got put out. Only you know that and only you are going to be bothered by that. Guests are going to be happy if they have one flavor of tea. Let's be real. Put in a English breakfast, put in a caffeinated version and a decaf version, and that's really all you need. Anything else is fluff. And so if it gets left out, you are the only one that is going to be bothered by that. Your guests don't know any different. If you have a certain cabinet where you like plates and another cabinet where you like cups and you go in after your cleaner to find that the plate and the cup cabinet are swapped and that's bothering you, again, realize your guests don't know any different. They've never been there before. They have no idea that the plates are supposed to go here and the cups are supposed to go here. As long as they can find clean plates and clean cups, they really don't care. It is only you as the owner, you as the host that gets bothered by things like that. So learn to just step back and let go. Put yourself in the perspective of a guest arriving at the property for the first time ever. If they can find the things that they need, they're good. That's all you need to worry about. Micromanaging those things between you and your cleaner is first of all unrealistic and unfair to them. And second of all, it's inevitably going to create a really hostile relationship between you and your cleaner. Another way that I can see hosts getting too emotional about the space is when it comes to the interior design of the property. Interior design is something that people can get very attached to. I myself have done it. Uh, interior design is art, and when you're putting it together yourself, of course it's going to suck when sometimes you have to change up your designs or they're not as well received as you would have liked. So I completely empathize with this particular issue. But one example I want to give you is this happened with us, but when we, the first listing that we ever had on Airbnb, I had styled the nightstands and the dresser so cute. I had vases there with flowers. I had candles. I had these cute little coaster stacks. I had tissue boxes with these nice little tissue box covers. It was so cute. And I still, to this day, love the way I had styled those nightstands and the dresser. We found out very quickly that it was so impractical having that many items on the nightstand and dresser. First of all, for my guests, they want to be able to, they're coming up with so much stuff. They want to be able to use the nightstands and the dresser surfaces. That's ultimately what they're there for, not for all your cutesy little decor and trinkets. So it was just in the way from my guests and was hindering the guest experience of being able to just set a glass of water and their retainer case on the nightstand and have their phone charging when it was cluttered with so many other things. Not just that, 
but our cleaners were complaining to us that between every single guest, they had to take every single item off the nightstands and dressers, dust them, wipe them down, replace them the way that we liked, wipe the surface. It was a lot of things collecting dust, a lot of things just in the way, more clutter, more work for them. And pretty quickly we learned, hey, if we do want to keep all this stuff, we're either going to have to start paying our cleaner more or we are not going to be making in time for check-in time for the next guest. And our guests seem to be bothered by this stuff. So as cute as I think it is, it's got to go or at least heavily be minimized. Take out half the stuff that was on the nightstands or dressers. Again, it was a tough choice because when you do spend so much time shopping for, purchasing, styling this stuff, and really taking the time to put it together, there is an art form to it and you do get attached to that. But being adaptable as a host and learning, hey, this was cute, but it wasn't working in the end. It was getting in the guest's way and it became so inefficient for my cleaner. It has to go. So please, another way to just not get too attached to the place is just realize that, again, this is a business. The moment you list it on Airbnb, it's no longer for you. It is for your guests. And even though it might be cute, some things are just not practical. All right. I'm also talking about white fabric sofas. A white fabric sofa, you might think it's the most beautiful thing and it complements the space perfectly. And maybe if it was in your own home, you would take care of it nicely. You can't put that pressure on your guests or on your cleaners to upkeep it. It's got to go. You got to replace it with something more durable. No matter how much you like it, no matter how perfect it would be if it was your own personal space, it's not your own personal space anymore. And the final case in which I see hosts get too attached and too emotional is when it comes to their reviews. I know it stings when you get a less than five-star review and Airbnb does not uh, make it any easier on us. There is a lot of pressure to maintain a five-star rating. Um, at least a 4.8 is what you'll need to maintain superhost status. So it's it's tough. I hear you on that. And you know, I'm not going to lie and say that I can take every single four-star rating in great stride. They are annoying, especially when the comments say that everything was perfect and the guest still ends it with a four-star review. But you know what? You still got paid. It was still, you still made money. And I promise you that those occasional four-star reviews will not deter anybody from booking your place. In fact, a study conducted by Northwestern University actually showed that potential consumers are more wary and skeptical of companies and services that have perfect five-star ratings. Those consumers tend to think that those ratings were bought and paid for and that any negative ratings were still out there, but that they were paid to be removed. It really tends to leave a bad taste in consumers' mouths, and they don't believe that companies are able to have and maintain perfect five-star ratings. What was more important to potential consumers, the study found, was the number of ratings that a business had. So if you are sitting there and you keep thinking to yourself, Self, oh my gosh, I'm going to keep getting every single negative review that I have. If somebody leaves four stars, I want to call Airbnb and try to fight to have it removed. Psychologically, you're actually doing a disservice to your own listing since most consumers do weigh more heavily the number of reviews rather than the review rating itself. 
it's better in the long run to keep some of those reviews that maybe in your mind are slightly less favorable than what you'd want to have. If the person is outright lying or does leave a retaliatory review, that is a different issue. And in those cases, you can absolutely call Airbnb to help you get those removed. That should be a topic for another future episode. And I'm going to make a note right now because there is so much that goes into how to get malicious and retaliatory reviews removed. But overall, if somebody just leaves a review that the place wasn't really their preference or something could have been better or they just weren't the biggest fan, that's really nothing to panic about. And again, according to this Northwestern study, you'd actually be doing yourself a disservice by trying to get that removed rather than just leaving it there so that the quantity of your reviews goes up. So don't take reviews too personally. Um, Again, another one, I know it's hard. I know it's tough when you put the property together, you are trying your best with your hospitality, you're going above and beyond to cater to your guests, you're doing everything you can as a host. Those negative reviews, they sting for sure. But in the long run, getting too emotional about them, it is hurting you and it is hurting your business and your profits. Don't stress too much about it. And the number one thing here is when I do see hosts get very emotional about negative reviews, the worst thing that can happen is that you end up responding to the review in a hostile way. It is one thing if you do decide to respond to that review because there's a blatant lie in it and you want to correct the misinformation, but if somebody just left a review saying that they didn't like the decor or something that's truly up to personal preference and you respond in a malicious or vicious way to that, you are going to come off looking so unprofessional. For me personally, and I am sure a lot of you out there are going to relate to this, for me personally, a negative review on an Airbnb wouldn't really change my mind that much if I already saw other good reviews and I liked the pictures and I liked the price and everything else was good. A negative review wouldn't dissuade me too much from considering booking your place. What would 100% turn me off is if I saw the host respond in a snarky or negative tone to that review. That to me would be an instant turnoff and I would think that everything else was just kind of a front and that that response shows the host true colors and I wouldn't want to get involved with a host like that. That's me personally, but I think a lot of you will be able to relate to that sentiment. So the most important thing here is if you do get that occasional negative review, don't get too flustered about it because again, really what's more important is just growing the quantity of your reviews. Still keep your reviews up. To maintain superhost status on Airbnb, you need to maintain at least a 4.8 rating. So try to aim for that. If you ever do get an outright blatantly false or malicious or retaliatory review, you can work with Airbnb to get that removed. And in other cases, when it's just a review that isn't your favorite, just let it go. Nine out of 10 times, I think the response is going to do a lot more damage and it's really not hurting your business that much in the end to just let those go. Within three to five bookings and new reviews, that review is going to be buried anyway. So do not stress about it. Ultimately, what I want you to take away from this segment is just remember that bottom line, when the moment that you list your place on Airbnb, it is no longer your personal space. It is now a business and you have to treat it as such. So just remember in those cases when it is tough, when the guests let you down, when your cleaning team lets you down, or when a review comes in that's unfavorable, remember that 
you are now a business owner and this comes with the territory. This stuff is tough, especially when it's happening in your own home that you put together, that you take a lot of pride in. But I promise you in the long run, getting really worked up about these things, it's just going to lead to more stress, more burnout. It's going to make you feel like you want to start limiting the amount of people you're renting to and how often you're renting. And all that's going to do in the end is backfire and cut into your profits even more. So please, please, please do yourself a favor. And, you know, this does come with practice. I don't expect any host to have this down overnight. I still get emotional sometimes over certain things, you know, a guest that's really frustrating or a time that I feel my cleaner may have dropped the ball or I get that review that's just less than ideal. I still get emotional about that too. I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, but it's something to work towards and something to keep perspective on. I promise if you can get a hold of your emotions with this industry and not take it too personally, put hospitality first and remember that it's no longer your place. It's there to serve guests. If you can do that, you are going to succeed so much as a host and what you can achieve in this business will truly become unstoppable. You'll have such an easier time just taking on new properties, scaling things. And again, even if you decide that you only want to stick with the one property you currently have, scaling is not in the cards for you. You'll learn how to host that one property with a lot less stress. All right, moving right along into this week's Airbnb quick tip. Remember that the Airbnb quick tips are something I'm going to be bringing you every single week. And this is a action item takeaway that you could implement to your property itself or your online Airbnb listing that same very day. So these are super quick action item takeaways that I want to give you week after week. So for this week, my tip here is go ahead and take some time, take a few minutes to check how your property loads on different navigation apps. I have found for some reason with my properties specifically, Google Maps works great. Apple Maps works great. Waze does not want to direct properly to our exact address. It always spits our guests onto another road. And in the past, I used to get so many calls from guests saying, hey, our GPS totally threw us off on some other road. Where the heck do we go? And I was trying to navigate them over the phone. Eventually, I figured out that the common thread was that those were all guests who were using Waze. For some reason, Waze just does not work with our exact address, which is a bummer because Waze is personally my favorite navigation app, but super easy fix. All I've added now to my check-in instructions is the message that I send my guests upon check-in is I let them know um, when you are trying to find the property, um, please be sure to use either Google Maps or Apple Maps Avoid Ways as this GPS confuses our address. Super easy fix and I haven't had any issues since then. So take some time to go through and see how your address loads on different GPSs. If you've never had a guest complain about this, then Maybe you don't have to do it, but for any of you who have ever had a guest call you that they're lost, it might be that one of the GPS apps just isn't loading with your property properly. So I went ahead and I looked up, this is according to some website I've never heard of before, but gisgeography, gisgeography.com. According to them, their last update of this was in March of 2022. And according to gisgeography, the top five 
GPS navigation apps are Google Maps, Waze, Apple Maps, Here We Go, never heard of that one, and Sigic or Sigis, I've never heard of this one either, but these are the top five GPS navigation apps. I would recommend going ahead and testing it with all five of these, which I actually need to do after I finish recording today because I've never heard of Here We Go or Sigix. Um, So go ahead and again, those five are Google Maps, Waze, Apple Maps, uh, Here We Go, and Sigis or Sigic. So go ahead and try uh, checking out how your property loads on all five of those. Um, Really quickly too, when I was reading about these five different top GPS navigation apps, um, with the one Here We Go, which I've never heard of before, I just use Waze for everything, but with Here We Go, it actually says that this is the number one app for offline map navigation. So I'm really interested in checking this one out because personally, my properties are all in the mountains and a lot of times we do lose receptions when you get closer to my listings. So the fact that this one is number one rated for offline map navigation makes me super excited to check this app out and maybe I'll find that I actually like this one for our listings even better than Google Maps or Apple Maps. So I will be testing that out and seeing how I like that offline navigation feature. If any of you have listings that are in a remote area, this may end up being a great option uh, for anyone who's just used to using Google Waze or Apple Maps. So uh, if you guys do end up testing this one out and you like it, let me know. I'd love to hear your experience with it. I know I'll be testing this one out myself. But that is my Airbnb quick tip of this week. Just go ahead and test your address and how it loads on a few different navigations. If you find that one or two or a couple of them are not loading properly, just leave a little message about that in your check-in welcome message so that guests already know not to use one of those apps when they're checking in. And if you are someone who has had issues with a lot of guests calling you that they're lost, this may be why. So dig into this and I hope that that helps. What cancellation policy should I have? That is what we are talking about on this week's question of the week. I get this question all the time from hosts and I totally understand why. It is because Airbnb has so many cancellation policies available to hosts to choose from. Flexible, moderate, firm, strict, long-term, non-refundable, super strict 30 days, super strict 60 days, and there are even special cases that apply to Italy, South Korea, and Germany. So for today's purposes, I'm not going to cover the super strict 30 or super strict 60 because those two policies are invitation only for certain hosts. I won't be covering the special cases of Italy, South Korea, and Germany, and I won't be covering the non-refundable option. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of that option, but I'll save that for another episode. Um, I also won't be covering long-term policies since this show is mostly about short-term rentals, but we can talk about that a different day. For today's purposes, I will be talking about the four most common cancellation policies, and that is flexible, moderate, firm, and strict. 
I will be linking the article to Airbnb that explains the difference between all of these policies in the show notes below. So I encourage you to go read it for yourself and familiarize yourself with whatever policy you end up choosing. Uh, But just to quickly sum these up, between the four that we're covering, flexible, moderate, firm, and strict, the biggest difference is basically how close to check-in time guests are able to cancel while still being able to get a full refund. So with the flexible cancellation policy, your guests are able to cancel 24 hours before check-in and will receive a full refund. You will not get paid. With the moderate policy, your guests can cancel five days before check-in for a full refund and you won't be paid. And with the firm and strict policies, honestly, these two policies are so similar. I am actually having trouble even noticing the difference between them So for these purposes, I'm going to just refer to them and lumping them in together and referring to them as the same policy. Um, I personally use the strict policy and you'll see why. But again, firm and strict, they're pretty much interchangeable in my mind. So with the firm and strict policies, your guest, if they do cancel within seven days of check-in, they do not receive any refund. You get paid out 100%. Uh, If they cancel more than seven days out, they receive a 50% refund. So that is with the firm and strict policies, which are pretty much interchangeable in my mind. So let's talk about which out of these four you should choose for your property. Airbnb will try very hard to push you into using the flexible policy. As you are setting up your listing, there is a little blurb that pops up when you get to the cancellation policy section, and it says something along the lines of, hosts that use the flexible policy tend to get more bookings. In my mind, while this might technically be true, it is very misleading the way that Airbnb words this. Let me explain why. In my experience, I did used to have the flexible policy when I started hosting, and it seemed like I was getting more bookings. I felt like I was getting the ding notification of a new booking constantly, but I had so many cancellations that were coming in one or two days before check-in. Uh, What that ended up doing was causing me to have to drastically drop my rates so that I could try to get a last minute booking. And I felt like I was losing money from people who just wanted to hold the dates. Maybe they weren't doing so maliciously. They genuinely thought they would be able to get work off. And then they found out one or two days before that they couldn't make the trip. So they just canceled and I had to drop my rates to pick up another booking. So it seemed like I was getting a lot of bookings, but so many of them canceled. I ended up switching to the strict policy. I do think that the moderate option is better than flexible. For me, it just wasn't strict enough for what I wanted. In that case, guests can still get a full refund five days before check-in, and I wanted something more strict than that. Um, And again, between the firm and strict policy, I don't really personally see a difference. I just use the strict one, and I've been happy with that. But let me tell you what happened once I switched over to the strict policy. It seemed like I was getting less bookings. I definitely don't hear that notification ding of a brand new booking go off as often. However, I almost never get a cancellation. It seems like ever since I switched to the strict policy, 
I am targeting a different audience with my listing than I was before. The people who are booking with me now are much more serious about their trips. They actually have a plan in place. They are not just holding the dates because they hope they can get work off. They are fully intentional about making those dates work for them. I do still get cancellations on occasion, but so, so rarely. And when I do, it's usually for an extreme reason. So it's a lot less work on my end and a lot less back and forth having to deal with different uh, guests booking and then canceling and then trying to rebook. And truthfully, my calendar is actually just as full as before. So again, even though Airbnb says that hosts who use the flexible policy tend to get more bookings, I find that to be misleading because what's the point of more bookings if you also get more cancellations? As long as your calendar is still full and you still have the same occupancy rate and you're still getting all your nights booked, who cares if you technically get more bookings? I just want my calendar to be full. So I'm very happy with this strict policy. Um, Again, I even think that the moderate one is better. Firm is pretty much exactly the same to me as strict. So between those two, I have no opinion. Um, Either way, I just would discourage you from using the flexible policy. If you're okay with the moderate one and you're fine with guests being able to cancel five days out for a full refund, you do you on that. I personally like having the firm or strict policy in place. So that is just one piece of advice for you. Don't be fooled by the phrasing that Airbnb uses that guests, that hosts who use the flexible policy tend to get more bookings. While it's technically true, um, we're not really after more bookings, quote unquote, if they lead to more cancellations. We want solid bookings that are actually going to show up and not be canceling last minute, which screws up our calendar in the end, causing us to drop rates. So take my advice here, moderate, firm, or strict policy. Personally, I would go firm or strict. And finally, on this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole? This is where every week I will take a segment that I have found online, something that an Airbnb host has posted, most likely in one of the many hosting Facebook groups I'm a part of. We will take what they say, we'll analyze it. This is 100% inspired by the Reddit thread, Am I the Asshole? So here is a post I found this week. Um... <clears throat> let me let me clear my throat. We're going to have to do a dramatic reading of this one, okay? Um, to give you some context really quick, I actually don't know who the original poster of this was. Somebody reposted it in a Facebook group I'm a part of and said... I'm just posting this for opinions. It's not intended to it's not intended to attack those who do not allow dogs in their short-term rentals. So yes, this is a uh, pet policy dog related post that we'll be reading. Um, again, I'm gonna have to do a dramatic reading of this one. Here we go. I can't take him to the beach for a walk because it annoys you and disturbs the vacation. I have no right to rent a house if I have a dog, nor can I take him on public transportation? However, I can take it to the rubble to find you after an earthquake. In the woods, after you got lost in the mountains and had no map or GPS. Under the snow because you took a detour, forbidden, off the track. In the water because despite the red flag, you have entered the sea and your life is in danger. And finally, he is just a dog but he or she will find you and it will save you. 
dedicated to all who do not love dogs. And end scene. Um, okay. First of all, I I know I'm going to trigger some people with this one. There are a lot of absolute just diehard dog lovers out there. And um, this this... My analysis of this post, please know this has nothing to do with a dislike or any any emotion towards dogs itself. Um, this just has to do with the facts that to compare, I'm sorry, but isn't this offensive to compare as much as you may love your, your Maltie Poo or your Afghan Hound or your Pomeranian or your Yorkie? I'm sorry, but isn't it just a little bit offensive to compare your Sharpay to actual search and rescue dogs that find people under earthquake rubble? Like, no, is that just me? I know dog owners, you may love your dog. You may think they are the world's best dog. They may be the world's best dog, but um, no. No, okay? This is so... We are not going to be comparing someone's precious little chow-chow poodle mix, bulldog beagle, to dogs that are actually trained to go save human lives from disaster rubble. No, no, we're not doing that, okay? The reason people do not want to allow dogs in their short-term rentals which they have every right to. If you want to be pet friendly, fantastic. Actually, right now, I recommend it if you're willing to because pet friendly listings are one of the top most searched for filters that guests are applying to homes they choose to book on Airbnb. So if you are willing to be pet friendly, that is a huge selling point. But if you're not, then you're not. That's your listing. You have every right to not want to have dogs in your property if you don't want to. They shed, they might not be house trained, they might scratch up the furniture, they might bark and disturb your neighbors, and you can get complaints that way, which can get your Airbnb shut down. There are so many reasons that somebody might not want to accept dogs, and that doesn't mean that they are hypocritical because they would accept a dog to save them from earthquake rubble or in the woods after they got lost in the mountains with no map or under snow because they took a detour forbidden off the track or in the water because despite the red flag you've entered the sea. God, this poster is so dramatic. Um, Dedicated to all who do not love dogs. No, we can very well love dogs, but we also know that they are an extra burden on short-term rentals. That's a fact. Some hosts are willing to take that on because they believe it will get them more bookings and they can make some money off the pet fee. Some hosts aren't willing to do that, and that does not reflect in any way on that host's love of dogs or whether or not they deserve to be rescued by dogs. So that's it. It's decided. You're the asshole. No further questions, no appeals. Case closed. And with that, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. It is now checkout time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye!